Hello, Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard. We're back. Uh, we're back in our our original place, sort of. Um, well, we, second original place. The yeah, original yeah. place was in our bedrooms. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least my bedroom. You were in your little home office there. Yeah, yeah. Because you office. have a home office. I don't. A home office. Yeah. So, and then Alice and I have been doing it in my home office for the last period of time because we were doing some remodeling in here, and it was always noisy. But uh, it might be a little background noisy, but it's uh, this part of the remodel is pretty well done. So we were able to get back in here and uh, hang out and meet and and, uh, and do podcasts and do podcasts, which is uh, well, I've been doing podcasts. You're the one well, that's yeah, been well, on the I've, podcast. I've been sort of yeah, busy. I've with been uh, with your mommy plugging on, so uh, it's been good. But we're happy to be here today and uh, getting the podcast back in here and getting in back into our podcasting routine, uh, whatever that might be. Well, it's you know we sit here and I ask you questions from other folks and you answer them that's sort of the, <laughs> how it goes yeah. it's pretty much been that way it's just my mom was doing it yeah yeah been pretty same kind of thing i had her doing the same thing yeah. although it's great to be back and wow palm sunday's coming up getting really looking forward <laughs> to that <laughs> and uh it's come quick and we've been working hard and then uh you know because obviously then after that it's easter and that's always a big deal and i feel like this year it's going to be significant last year you know we we couldn't meet last year that was that was a shocker to uh I had a rough Easter last year we uh we were live streaming and I was sitting in the pool listening to the service going yeah well <laughs> that yeah. wasn't that rough yeah, but yeah. uh it's yeah. just it's so different cuz I think that was the first Easter I ever spent not here right so uh but it's you know I'm excited for it this year it's going to be good yeah and I'm hopeful you know I think we're starting to see some people come come back slowly um more people getting vaccinated, getting kind of used to it, um, and uh, and we're just looking forward to uh, what God's going to do next. I keep I keep telling everybody here, get ready because it's going to be it's going to be cool. And so we're we're hard at it. We're getting ready uh, as far as in every area that we can think about getting ready. We're getting ready, um, and so that when it starts to happen, we can just catch right up to it and, and go for it. So lots of cool things happening here. You can. See, probably if you do watch online that we've made some uh, changes in the sanctuary. It's remodeled, we've repainted. and Last week we replaced the stage floor. And that was like the last of my big tasks. And we're like 95% done. I got a few wires to move around and stuff. But ultimately we're, we're pretty happy with it. Like right behind the altar there was just a mile of cables. And yeah. we've eliminated it. Yeah. It's, it's all under the stage. And we so. got a few more tricky lighting things that we're doing here and on the sides. And uh, we're not, we don't have all of the acoustic panels in yet that are coming. But all that stuff's on its way. And, and uh, it's just, you know, you know we want to make the experience um, as good as we can here. And also, a lot of this was done to really take the online experience up another level. Um, because I, I think that's going to stay with it. That's going to be a part of the church. Uh, from now on, and so we we want to do that as well as we can possibly do that. You know, to be a really a, a you know a small church in in, the, in an island, it's in, you know, in yeah. the middle of the ocean, um, that God allows us to have an impact all over the country and all over the world, really, with the Bible Institute. Uh, we want to do that as well as we can. We take it very seriously, and uh, and and you know, it's it's one of those things too where you can still sort of you know, get a hold of us. So uh, right. if you have questions, you can ask me. That's what this whole venue is about. You know, I'm, 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 uh, we try and be available in all those things. So very excited to be back and looking forward to this next season of things. And um, just uh, give you a head. So I'm going to be talking about perspective this week um, because of the, the crowd's perspective and the Pharisees' perspective on Palm Sunday. And, you know, uh, 
to give you a little tip off. So the, the crowd, they were in, in it making a big fuss. Jesus come in because they wanted something. It wasn't that they wanted a savior for their sins. What the crowd wanted was Jesus to come and knock out the Romans. And when he wasn't going to do that, it just took them a few days to start saying crucify him. And then the Pharisees, here's a shocker too, um, the Pharisees didn't want to let go of the control they thought they had. They were, had a pretty good gig really with the Romans. And even though they recognized Jesus, that's the hardest thing for me to understand. They decided they didn't like the package. And so they, uh, they refused to sort of have an open heart. They weren't teachable. Because when he came riding in on a donkey, it was fulfilling prophecy that they all knew. And they would have, they would have totally got what was happening. And they were like, nope, not going to have it. And so, you know, our perspective is really important when it comes to Jesus. You know, is it, is it I want what I want? Or is it, I want to be in control? Or is it, what I really want is to do things his way? And that's sort of the big question that's coming up. So, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be good. But okay, I can quit talking. <laughs> well, you've got to talk some more. So Okay, good. Let's, uh, let's get on with our questions. We've got some good ones today. Uh, this first one says, it seems difficult to rejoice, uh, you know, referencing Matthew 5.12, one in the midst of persecution. Could you say that if we first mourn the persecution... We will be comforted with the garment of praise and can then rejoice. <clears throat> yeah, you know, when, when you read the idea of rejoicing there, don't sort of immediately think it's like, woohoo. Um, remember the, the idea of the joy that we have in the Lord is something that's deep inside of us. And so um, uh, we can be joyful always, you know, because you look at Paul saying that and you're like, what in the world, you know. But it's because of our ultimate hope, uh, it's because of Holy Spirit. Um, it's because, you know, we know he has a plan for us and he's got us and that in a fallen, broken world, sometimes it's difficult, but we can be settled in those other things. So even when we're being persecuted, you hold those things in mind. It's like, um, you know, I'm, in the next series I'm going to do, I'm going to be really challenging us that, that we constantly are remembering what it means to, uh, to be his child not, not only in the present, but also in what's coming. And that we're always allowing that hope to infuse our daily lives. And that would be one of those situations where um, we, we, we understand that rejoicing is a deep thing. Now, diff- when you're going through difficulty, certainly there's a time for mourning, grieving, which ultimately should lead back to life. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's sad that um, for following Jesus we're going to be persecuted, but we're also aware it's, he's, he's told us, you know, so it doesn't take us by surprise. It's part of the deal. Jesus said, look, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So don't be surprised when it happens. Awesome. Great answer. Great question. Next one. <clears throat> In John chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus said that the time had come for Satan to be cast out. Later, both Paul, uh, referencing 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and John, uh, founded First John 5.19, mention that Satan is still ruling this world and even call him the God of this world. I'm sure this has to do with being defeated but not departed. But doesn't the phraseology from Jesus sound like he was about to remove Satan completely and permanently? So that was part one. Do you want part two now or would you rather answer part one and come back to part two? Or just do them both at the same time. So, you know, in effect... Uh, Split them up. Yeah, I'm going to jump on this one. When, when Jesus is, is talking about, you know, him, the enemy being cast out, it was, uh, unfortunately, where he was cast out to was here. Uh, uh, so, he, 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 you know, it's a sort of a reference to him being the little G-God of this world. So, we get to deal with the enemy. 
Um, not that God has ever stopped, but the battle, the, the question of who wins this is, it's, it's not, oh, is it, I mean, God wins. There's no, there's no real um, horizontal struggle between God and the enemy. It's, it's this way, and God's got this, and it's never been the issue. But how God is ultimately working through it is fascinating, and um, it all gets back to us having to choose who we're going to serve. And, and that God wants us to fellowship with him and he wants to be in relationship with us forever, but he's giving us the choice. It's a big deal that we have to get back to. Uh, and that's always been, he wants, he wants people that want to be in relationship with him. And there was, he created us as a, you know, as a natural family, human family, but there was a spiritual family that is apparently making those same choices. And some of them chose wrongly, represented by um, Satan. Um, and, and, you know, Satan, sometimes he's called the Satan, and there's other various evil influences that sometimes get that moniker. But figure out the evil one. Um, he has been um, cast out, but he's here. Uh, and then when Jesus comes back and new heaven comes to earth, he will ultimately be dealt with once and for all, and that'll be that. So we're sort of in that in-between kind of time. So he's... Yes, defeated, not departed, but that's all part of the process. Go ahead with part two. So part two says, with that thought in mind, uh, 2,000 years of persecution from the evil one against the followers of Jesus must have a purpose for God to allow it to persist. So as a pastor, can you share an example where you have seen good come from some type of evil or persecution during your ministry? Yeah. So, you know, the... We're in this battle, right? It's a spiritual battle. And um, God gives us everything we need for the battle. We have the armor. We have everything we need. We have the awareness of what's happening. Um, and, and so we're engaged in this fight. The church has been. Um, we are advancing the kingdom of God. He, and we are, he chose to fellowship with us to do that, partner with us. That's the plan. The enemy resists it. Um, and so we're engaged in this conflict. Uh, and I think I said in the message, you know, that often the way that we see these two value systems basically coming at each other results in a conflict which we would see as persecution in various forms. Um, and so, you know, God allows it because God causes all things to work together for good. So God, God uses it. God, but don't don't make him the he's not the the enemy is doing those things, and God takes them and uses them and turns them around all the time. And so have I seen good from it? Absolutely. The, the enemy overplays his hand all the time. And when people realize that, often what it does is it, it brings them into the kingdom of God, which is the ultimate win. And, and, and so, you know, this happens over and over again. You see people who, um, who finally sort of... I, I, how about an example like this I, with people's lives? Oftentimes, I think the enemy thinks he's won. He gets people down to rock bottom. And he thinks he's got them. And it's at that point that they decide they're not going to make it and they need God's help and they turn and change and repent. And you see them completely changed over time. That's a huge win. And I think that's a big part of what happens um, with, with broken people in the church uh, is that they finally realize their desperate need for Jesus. And part of that is because the enemy has beat up on them so long without them realizing it that they catch a little glimpse of it and then they, they turn and change and, you know, then their lives are changed and it's a, it's a big difference. So I've seen, you know, over, over all kinds of things like that where these subtle sort of attacks um, are used. 
and I also, you know, I want to make clear, I, I said this, sometimes things that happen to us are not so much persecution, but they're because we've gotten off track. And then we try and write it off as persecution. And I want to go, that's not persecution at all. That's you not doing... That's a consequence. What, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's you not doing what you're yeah. supposed to be doing. And, and when the church gets all judgy and critical, I, I see the fallout of that, the pushback. Just consequences of not doing that in the proper way. So, um, so you kind of hold all those things in context as you go. But uh, God certainly takes... What the enemy is trying to do, and God uses it for good, that goes back, you know, Old Testament, right? Even the, the story of Joseph, when he says, you know, what you, what you planned for evil, God used for good. Talking about his brothers tossing him in the pit and selling him into slavery, how God redeemed all that. God's doing that all the time with the mess that the enemy creates. And even in, in this, you know, this uh, last year, um, there has been, uh, the enemy has been working against the church as he always does and he's seized on this moment with with disease which is his realm um, and has been successful in chunking down big parts of the church in ways church is still going nothing nothing prevails against the church you got to know that it's so uh, nothing can you do but um, I think he again he overplayed his hand and I think what's going to happen in response is going to be life-changing for many of us and, and that God's going to use it in amazing ways. And, and I think is going to wake up some things in the church that needed to be woken up. Woken up? Wakened up? Wakened up? Awakened? awakened? I think you. awakened. We got there. The there. So, so there. I, I, that's what I'm seeing. Uh, and because he overplayed his hand, like, I, and, and, you know, that, that for some people, they're very comfortable. I'm going to be careful. I say it, not to be judgmental. They're very comfortable with with going out and doing things now. But somehow the church is like, oh, we can't go to the church. And I, I, I'm just, you know, that was the enemy got ahead of that in the beginning of this thing and said like the most dangerous place you can go is the church. And I, I don't see it. Um, I think you know we need to be careful and we need to be smart and be social distanced and do all those things that we need to do. But. Um, uh, and I know, and a lot of churches couldn't, and I get it, and it's not a judgment, and, and if God was telling you as a pastor not to meet good, uh, you're listening to the Lord, I trust, you know, your discernment. Um, but, but for some people, still, the church became this, oh, we can't go to the church, but we can go everywhere else. Well, no, you can, you can come. It's going to be, if you feel safe going to a restaurant, I think you should feel safe coming back to church. So, and I think part of that was sort of an attack, maybe not persecution as much as an attack, but anyway, um, I think God's going to use it. I think people are going to be stirred up. I think that God's going to take us in places we've never been. So let's leave that as the main answer. Awesome. Next one. Uh, the church grew in number and in faith during the first century. Uh, Acts 17.11, despite being uh, persecuted. Today, the Chinese church has been growing despite not having religious freedom, as this person understands it. So is persecution a blessing because it weeds out the people who aren't all in and the church that remains is stronger because of it? That's one way to look at it. Um, the church tends to thrive under all sorts of levels of persecution because it's the church and it's going to. Um, and, and yeah, maybe it, it gets a more um, serious kind of disciple when there's that intense persecution happening because people realize that when they choose to follow Jesus, you know, that their, their very existence here is on the line. It, it gives it a whole nother sort of flavor. And you're right, the church in China continues to grow and flourish. Um, 
The church in Iran is going crazy right now. You never hear about it, but I hear about it through back channels. And um, massive revival going on in Iran right now. With, with, and, and the big fueling behind it is sort of people having visitations from Jesus and they're, getting, they're, they're coming to know Jesus in huge numbers. Think about that in that country and the persecution they face and yet they're willing to follow Jesus. And um, Strong, um, it's, uh, the other cool thing about that is that it's primarily um, led by women uh, and, and is having this huge impact. Um, and so be praying for that. I just got goosebumps, Holy Spirit goosebumps, because um, of what's happening in those sort of countries. So the persecution is up, but man, God is using it. So be praying. That kind of stuff is happening all over the globe. You don't hear about it much, but it is going. And, um, and the church is thriving, in, in a, particularly in those places with great persecution. Uh, and so be praying for our brothers and sisters all over the world that are, like I said, persecution is... Pers- I don't want to minimize how horrible their persecution is and that ours is kind of eh. But it's still persecution. So, uh, so yeah, the, the, it, it tends to take people a little deeper when they realize that their very lives are online. We, ours are too, whether you realize it or not. But anyway, there we go. All right. Next one. Uh, this person knows that persecution, it seems to be a theme in this uh, press. Well, that's because that's what I talked about. Yeah. They know persecution will deepen my faith in Jesus. First uh, Peter 1, 7. Uh, how can or do we face opposition at home? Yeah, sometimes in your families you'll be persecuted. I always want to say, make sure, you know, I talked about this, that it's not a consequence of you really not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and so we want to be loving well. You know, we want to be very other-centered in this life. Um, and so that's a big part of what we do. How, how do we, what would, you know, how, we need to be asking, what would Jesus do in this situation? And, and then, you know, do the best we can to sort of follow that lead. Um, and so, you know, I would say at home, make sure it, it's discerned between consequence and persecution. Um, and uh, because they're different. And then, you know, we just continue to press in and live it out. And, uh, you know, if, we're, if it's indeed a persecution for us just trying to follow Jesus, just keep loving people well. That's got to be the ultimate result is in what changes, folks, is that we're just going to love them well. Remember this, that uh, we're, we're golden rule people, which is completely different than the culture, right? We treat people the way we want to be treated. How they treat us doesn't impact that, um, not saying that, you know, we let people walk all over us, but um, we still, we always want to be people that are treating people the way we expect to be treated. Uh, and, and, you know, that means loving our neighbor as ourselves, going all out for them. Culturally, it's not that. It's the opposite. In our culture, it's we tend to treat people the way they treat us. And we're called to a much higher standard than that as believers. So just kind of be aware of that. I think that helps. That kind of helps knock out the difference between the two. All right, I think we got one more question. Uh, in Exodus chapter 33, why was Moses able to speak face-to-face with God in verse 11 and then be instructed by God not to see his face in verse 23? Did I give you that passage? Uh, yeah, would you like me to read it? Go ahead and read it. So uh, starting with chapter 7, and we'll go all the way through uh, verse 23. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, 
All the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance, while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord then replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Okay, so um, there's a, a word. Some of you will know this word. It's anthropomorphism. It's, um, it's giving sort of human characteristics to something. And I really think that in this case, what God is doing is he's explaining himself in ways that we can relate to, that so we can understand it in the human experience. And so the idea of him speaking face to face, it just communicates to us that it was very intimate, this discussion that Moses had with God, and that he had this connection with him, which we can have, uh, praise God, um, now because of what Jesus has done and because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's, there's this ability for us to connect with God face to face. So it wasn't so much that he was seeing God face to face. It was this intimate description of what was happening. And, um, and then when, you, when we were reading in verses 20 and 23, face and back there, I believe, are referencing God's um, glory and goodness. And, and so glory and goodness are both intangibles. Um, so you could take you know, face and back to sort of signify varying degrees of um, God's glory. And the hand there would just, it's an obvious, it's a, it's a reference to God's protection. So I think that's what you read into that more than the actual idea. However, it does... Um, it does uh, make something pretty cool when, uh, when Jesus says to Philip, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And so when Jesus walked the earth, fully God, fully man, the glory was unveiled in such a way that we could in fact see him face to face, which just takes on a whole other realm of things for you to think about. So um, in that Exodus chapter um, that Doug was reading, so either it's what I think it is, it was this, I always forget how to say the word anthropology, Promorphism, or it was it, the other thing. It could be is that um, it was sort of a theophany. You know, it was a, a preexistent, uh, pre-incarnate Jesus 
there. But I actually think it was the, the first thing that I talked about. But that now, um, if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father, his glory unveiled. And what that means to us is pretty cool and significant. But great way to look at the scripture. All of these were great questions. Thank you so much for taking time to dig down and, and uh, ask those questions. I really do appreciate it. And it makes me dig down and think too. And so that's always good, particularly after a, I do a, a message. I like to have, be asked questions so that I can go back and think about it. And, and did I communicate what I was looking for? And did they hear, you know, did people hear what I was hoping they would hear? So your questions really helped me. So um, how about you? Do you know what we're doing uh, for the worship set? Yeah. Uh, pending any changes of any sort, uh, we're going to start with the song, Anything is Possible. That's on the Revivals in the Air album by Bethel. So that's a good one. We've done it, you know, a few months in the past, bringing it back. Uh, and then Kim is going to lead the song, Holy Water by We the Kingdom. The last time we did that was like the week before the pandemic. Wow. So it's been a year. So I was like, oh, that was a good one. And then um, uh, Miss Alicia is going to be with us. She's doing the new song she did last time. She sang called Greater Things by Vineyard Anaheim. Uh, yeah, that's a great group there. Uh, then we're doing uh, the version of I Surrender All we did a couple weeks ago. That's a good one. And then uh, we will end with the new Hillsong song, Fresh Wind. So that's our, that is our set for Palm Sunday. There's like a worship leader joke. Uh, somebody posted this meme. And uh, they did a whole set of Hosanna songs. And I was like, I didn't do one of them, but it's okay, because I don't follow memes. So Palm Sunday, sort of Hosanna is the theme. Okay, good. I uh, guess, guess you had to be there. Yeah, maybe. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't find my humor funny. Nobody finds his bad jokes funny, though. Huh? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's right. So that's, that's the right. set. Good. Uh, maybe I'll, I'm, I'm probably not going to show it. But yeah, if you're in any worship leader probs groups yeah. on Facebook, you would have seen that, which none of you probably are. That's okay. I, and the worship leader in Anaheim is... is uh, uh, it's actually Jeremy Riddle went back to Vineyard Anaheim, right. and he's doing it with Catherine Scott, Catherine Scott, who's married to Adam Scott, who's the senior pastor. And is, Catherine Scott, isn't that the... She wrote the song, Hungry, I'm Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. my big story with that is at one point, we were, I was at a conference, and the worship leader didn't make it, and uh, it was all... It was all Big church pastors from the vineyard. That's what this conference made up from all over the world. It's a pretty, pretty big crowd. And the, the, the guy in charge of the conference comes up to me at the last second and says, hey, can you lead worship? And I'm, I used to lead worship here before this one came, you know, to, of age. Um, but I'm not a, uh, I just did it because I always felt like the Lord had me do it, right? And, and so I, I, I have to have music in front of me. And, and so it's last second. And I couldn't say no, um, it just wouldn't have been okay yeah, to say no. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And so I kind of rushed to put a couple of the old vineyard songs I, I, together. You had me loading songs onto like an iPad thing for you. Long so distance. you could load it in. Yeah, yeah. Long, send yeah. it to me quick. I, just, <laughs> I need it help now. Me now. So you had your iPad. And I was like, uh, yeah, okay, and go, they handed me a guitar. And, boom. <laughs> and, and I get, and I'm, so I'm going and I start lead worship and I realize that Catherine Scott's sitting like in the second row. And I'm like, why didn't they ask her? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> because it would have been so much better. Anyway, that's all. I always think about that whenever I think about her. But uh, <laughs> but there you go. It's all good. And we made it through. And Pete, we worshipped. And you know, God is faithful to that. It's not a bad room full of pastors. It's not that hard. No, to... piece of cake. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just I could. Fortunately, I hit the right notes, and and boom, we were into old stuff that they knew, and yeah, spirit came, and off we went. So it worked out. It worked out very well, really. But I always had that thought. 
in the panic of the moment. <laughs> All right, I'm done with my stories. How yeah, about you? That, you done? Yeah, I'm good. It's just a, another thing to always say yes when you're called. When huh? you're called in those, well, I mean, not, you know, there are times when you're obviously going to have to say no, but yeah, there's yeah. certain times where you're like pushed into something that stretches you a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, you know, taking a leap of faith and saying yes. Is, yeah, big time. I mean, those were basically there were mega churches in there with awesome worship leaders. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> they all just wanted a break. <laughs> we, got, we just barely made the cut, you know, because the church is over at a thousand. Right. Like, barely in there, right? Uh, okay. Well, anyway. Uh, so it was great being back. Looking forward to more, uh, you know, sets. Good. Stage. Keep your questions coming, please. Yes. We'll have uh, Palm Sunday Easter questions next week, huh? Yeah. Oh, good. And I'm looking forward to Easter, Those will too. Be good. I'm not, I'm not getting too excited. Oh, and the next series, I'm really firing up about that, too. Calling it Are You Ready? And I just feel like I got some neat stuff. So, anyway. Good. It's good to be excited. I would hate to go, oh, I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, that's no way. Not what I'm talking about all summer. <laughs> I'm going to just kind of shut it down and do old stuff. <laughs> all right. On that note, goodbye, goodbye vineyard. vineyard. Love you guys. See you next time.